Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with Lisa Frank fan club president, Meg, and she's going to tell us all about Elizabeth Wetlofer. What was your favorite Lisa Frank, like, animal? The orca. Oh, you were an orca girl? <laughs> I want to do, like, a Lisa Frank as Zodiac signs, or as, like, serial killers, too. That could work. You could do Lisa Frank-style sticker or a sticker. Oh! Oh, dang, that's a great idea. If you want a Lisa Frank gruesome sticker, let me know. For the record, mine was the white tiger. Of course it was. <laughs> I could see that. I could yeah. see that. Sometimes I like the kitty, but like the the kitty. I don't know why I called him that <laughs> instead of the cat kitty. <laughs> I can't think. Okay, this is off topic for a second, but I can't think of the word kitty anymore because I know that's what like young girls call like when they're on. That's what they call their vaginas now. And oh, so like. <laughs> is that what they call that? Oh my god! Like, yeah, my kitty. No. And I'm like, I think it's awesome and it's a cool, like it's, it's, I'm not cool enough to do it. I can't be like, I'm not cool. Eh. We're too old to call it that. That sounds pedophilic at our age. <laughs> I have three kids. It's just a vagina. <laughs> Science, scientific names only in this house. Oh, Raising man. daughters. But yeah. Well, that was a very fun introduction, guys. Hi. <laughs> All right. So right now I am in a dementia care class and it has opened my eyes to the abuse that elderly people, especially elderly people with dementia have all the time, especially in long long term care. Oh, for sure. I I had no idea like the level that they were susceptible to at like the hands of people who are supposed to be taking care of them or who who claim to love them. So I don't want this to sound bad and this is meant to be be of no offense I know like a lot of nursing assistants are like amazing and they love their patients but sometimes family members take their loved ones if you know especially when it comes to dementia because dementia is tough and a lot of times like nursing assistant positions are like they're underpaid undervalued so they don't like the heart isn't where it should be because they hate their job because they should be paid a hell of a lot more than what they are being paid. You're right. And they just, you're right. I I know that a lot of them, they love the patients and they want to help people and they're doing it, you know, out of the goodness of their heart. But they're also doing it because it just pays the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some of those people, they don't really care what's going on. They just got to pay the bills. And then they get into these long-term care facilities and they get bare minimum training. They're understaffed, they're overworked, and it's Mm -hmm. easy to get overwhelmed. And this episode is actually about one of those workers. Ooh. And we're going to Canada. Hi, Canada. <laughs> We've got a lot of requests for Canada. Canada. So. We in the United States have a very unrealistic idea of Canada, I think. But I think it's just like the U.S. with better healthcare. I watch Super Troopers. It's one of my top five favorite movies. <laughs> so whenever I think of Canada, I immediately think of like Vermont and like how everyone in Vermont is. And just like chugging maple syrup. Just chugging maple syrup and so. <laughs> So nice. And I know that it's not like, I know there's a lot of it's nice. It's not things. realistic. Right? It's not realistic. <laughs> it's just what we think of. You don't have so, Mounties, like just like, or a Dudley Do-Right. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
God, I love Canada. We, we love a love a Mountie and a Red Unicorn. Uh, uh, they seem like cartoons to me. They do. Okay, so anyways, sorry. We again. digress. Sorry, guys. Let's talk about Elizabeth Wetlopper, which what a name. Uh, what a as name. A, as a kid growing up in Southern Ontario, she was Beth Parker. Bethy Parker, actually. Uh, she was born June 10th, 1967. Her father, Doug Parker, and her mother, Hazel Parker, were members of a fundamental Christian church where her dad was one of the elders. Pretty strict to find religious laws. Uh, her family was controlling and as a child she was bullied. She had to do very specific things but the older she got, life got a little better. She was in band and choir. She was the goalie on her school's field hockey team in high school. She wanted to go to college to study drama but then when she got there she decided maybe journalism and Elizabeth, I'm going to note because it's relevant, she was struggling with her sexuality during her teenage years. Um, She had made a move on another girl who kind of rebuffed her. So she really threw herself into those high school activities. Um, And then her childhood friend came out as gay and he was asked to no longer come to their church. So she had a lot of conflicting feelings. About how she wanted to be and how she was allowed to be. Can we normalize, like, if you have a friend who is struggling with their sexuality and maybe they're trying to figure things out, if they do make a move, like, don't be a dick about it because that probably took so much courage to even get to that point. Yeah, just be like, you know, I appreciate it, but I I don't feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, like, (laughs) you don't have to, like, be an asshole about it. Or, like, spread rumors or be like I yeah. can't believe it so rude yeah I hate that I hate Elizabeth that. she didn't end up going to school for drama or for journalism she started with journalism but she got bored after a year and she ended up getting her bachelor's degree in religious education counseling from Oof. London Baptist Bible College <laughs> Uh, while she was attending school, her father also enrolled in classes so he could keep tabs on her. Shut up. Nope, I won't. Can uh, you? Uh, well, <sighs> guess what? He found out she was dating a girl and that they had gone to a church that accepted gay people. And her father sent her home to undergo conversion therapy, which is total bullshit. <laughs> and what happens when you force someone to suppress themselves? It's going to manifest as rage, mm. as depression as literally it's a pop bottle that you're just yeah, you're just shaking it up uh she went to conversion therapy and then she went back to school and she told all her friends she was never going to do that again not conversion therapy be gay she said she wasn't going to do it but she knew that wasn't true conversion therapy is such bullshit it's total bullshit she told her friend glenn that she was depressed and to top it off she didn't really even want to work in a religious field but daddy insisted so she continued on and she got that bachelor's degree but afterwards she decided that she was going to go back to school and complete a degree in nursing. She wanted to do something that she had picked. She got her nursing license in Ontario in 1995 from Conestoga College and she started her career as a registered nurse. She ended up taking a full-time gig working with people that had disabilities in a town that was 16 hours north of where she was from. Um, This was the hospital where Elizabeth started stealing drugs. Typically ones used to treat 
treat depression or for sleep disorders. She actually started with hydromorphone, which is a pain med for people who need constant pain medication. Like they need round the clock oh, okay. uh, care. And then she moved on to lorazepam, which is what really hooked her. Essentially, she was she was into downers. Um, and probably because they're used to treat anxiety and it was making her feel better, right? I mean, that I mean that's why anybody starts using medication to feel yep. better. Uh, unfortunately, paranoia and suicidal thoughts can often be side effects of these kind of medication. Elizabeth began to experience crazy mood swings. And the more she took the lorazepam, the more she felt like she needed. So she started taking them all the time. She started taking them with alcohol. She landed herself in rehab a couple of times the same year that she graduated. So all in 1995. Jeez. Yeah. At work one night, she went to a bedroom where the meds were stored, took more than she usually did, and she overdosed. But another nurse found her and got her medical attention. You think, this person saved my life. I have a, I have a new lease on life. But she was pissed because that's when the hospital found out she'd been stealing pills and they fired her immediately. <laughs> Doi. Shocker. <laughs> you can't do that? And also, because she had a medical job, got a report to the board, they restricted her license. They didn't take it. They were just like, stay sober. You have to do drug tests. You have to tell jobs you're going to be interviewing for that you have a restriction. You have to go to Narcotics Anonymous, you know, all that stuff. And that information would be available to the public for six years, just like any kind of offense. And because it was the 90s, like if that happened now, they would just pull your shit. Yeah. (laughs) You would be done. I feel like that just happened in America, period. They would just (laughs) pull it. Yeah, you'd be like, nope, you're out. You sneeze Uh, too hard and they take your license. Yeah. The restraints, though, they led her to job hopping, essentially. She was in an agency and she would go to one job and not tell them like about the restrictions and what had happened and just kept going all around different jobs and eventually she found one that stuck she got clean enough to get two part-time jobs and she started going back to church where she met Donnie Wetzlaffer a Baptist truck driver doesn't that sound like a country song yeah Baptist (laughs) truck driver they were married less than a year later in 1997 but it wasn't long before her mood swings returned and they were fighting she would come full of rage and freak out and when she was done she could barely remember why she was angry in the first place so she went (laughs) so she went to a psychiatrist and they suggested you know we think you have borderline personality disorder so her brain's overproducing hormones because (laughs) she's having severe reactions to stress and because she's a closeted woman who feels shame for who she is and her license restriction and her pill addiction she is constantly stressed and in addition to that diagnosis she had also known that she had major depressive disorder and antisocial adult behavior. Oof, that's a lot. Antisocial adult behavior. It's the number one serial killer brain issue. (laughs) So you know what's coming now. She was a whole job. And I think getting diagnosed and getting prescribed meds helped her a little bit. They put her on antipsychotics. But while she felt better, her marriage was crumbling. And Elizabeth began searching for women online. Weren't you quickly met one pretty fast? She fell in love. She began talking to her online lover all night long and she avoided her husband. But when he went digging, he found all of their chat logs. And Donnie, the Baptist truck driver, was furious. He told her that she was a sick woman and he left 
after in 2007. And Elizabeth could, couldn't could care less. She was like, sweet, see ya. See ya. <laughs> she Don't spent- let the door hit you, Donnie. <laughs> She spent 10 years married to a man knowing she was a lesbian, you know? That's tough. Yeah. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for her. And her parents refused to acknowledge the fact that she was now dating a woman or that she had a drug problem. They just said that sometimes she needed stuff to de-stress or it was a medication mix-up. Stuff like that. Mother's denial. Mother's denial. She moved into a two-bedroom apartment with her newfound love, though her mom says it's they were roommates. <laughs> Elizabeth was just helping her out. I love that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it's like history it, for all of time. They were always roommates. The uncle that always had a roommate, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Elizabeth became the head of the household because her girlfriend didn't have a job and she switched jobs to make more money. After 12 years of working in various long-term care facilities, she moved to a different one, Caressant Care, which was a 163-bed nursing home. The home's director said that because transgressions involving someone's license only last six years, she had no idea that Elizabeth may have had any issues before they got there. So they offered her a position at $60,000 a year. So now she's going through a divorce she has a new relationship she just moved her parents still suck she's about to throw in a new job that's understaffed by the way sounds pretty stressful something something i notice about people that work on long-term care is that's where they tend to stick like they might go to a different long-term care facility or they might Mm -hmm. shift to like in-home care but they still that's what they do it's like a niche yeah Yeah. it's like they're 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 niche that's a good way to put it and if that's inaccurate if you work in that field. Let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. The older people get, the more health issues they face. And one of those common issues is blood sugar levels, diabetes. Elizabeth had tons of experience distributing insulin. And this was the job she started experimenting with just how much insulin she could give a patient. Honestly, I don't think it started here, but this specific facility had a surplus of insulin and the staff wasn't required to log what was taken because it's not a controlled substance. That's interesting. Days after she started at care she upped the dosage and stuck an insulin pen into a dementia patient. 86-year-old Clotilda. Fortunately, the next nurse to come into Clotilda's room noticed that she was failing and restored her blood sugar levels and saved her. Elizabeth later said that she didn't want that woman to die. She said that she was angry and had a sense that this was a person that God wanted back. She felt like God wanted to use her. And when she got the feeling that she needed to plug someone with insulin, she called it the red surge which sounds like something you call your period. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That is not what I call the red surge. <laughs> Sorry, any males. I'm not. It's you true. have a mom. Wait, it's fine. Women, women have periods. If they didn't, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> Uh, so at home, Elizabeth's new relationship was also failing. Her girlfriend left her and Elizabeth succumbed to her pill addiction once more. Caressant had a large supply of hydromorphone because many of the residents were already taking it and she knew its effects on her because first she was doing the lorazepam mm-hmm. and now she's going to shift back to hydromorphone. She calls it morph. Is it like morphine? Yes, it's actually four times stronger than morphine. <laughs> yeah, instead of giving it to a patient, she would give them a a laxative and then just take the pill herself. (laughs) 
<laughs> like your patient's gonna like crap themselves and you're just high it's as awful. a kite. Yeah, like, it's, it's awful. And, makes and me no sad. one ever reported that incident with Clotilda because it was just normal blood sugar issue in their book. But it wasn't long before Elizabeth tried again. The first woman, her sister, was also a patient that suffered from dementia. And so she injected her with insulin as well. And this woman was already declining. But again, it failed. They saved her. And she tried again. She kept trying to overdose this woman on insulin several times. And she was getting insulin injections anyways. And everyone was none the wiser. But they just kept finding her and restoring her blood sugar levels. And this made Elizabeth resent the other staff. She resented difficult patients. She was in charge of 32 beds, which is an issue in like long-term care. Yeah, that's I know that elderly people, they're not children, but they need a lot of care and consideration. In daycares in the US, you can't even have more than five kids without two adults. Every five kids, you have to have two adults. Depending on age, because I know the older they get, you could have like, if they're like preschool age, like three to five, you can have like 16 per adult. What? So yeah. That's crazy. Um, That's also a problem with (laughs) It is. You gotta like, who can take care of 32 people at one time? No one. No, I can't even take care of three. I struggle one to three, my ratio, and yikes. (laughs) Shit gets crazy around here sometimes. Uh, in August 2007, another resident was placed in Elizabeth's care. James was an 84-year-old war veteran with Alzheimer's. Oh. He had recently had a stroke and his manner was very militant. He may have reminded Elizabeth a little bit of her father. Whatever the reason, she decided that James would be the first person she would murder. In fact, she decided that she was going to overdose him at exactly 7.30 p.m. You know what? Look at the time. Hmm, I think I'm going to overdose a person tonight. So she looked over her files for the evening she had worked a double shift and at 10 30 she administered 50 units of short-acting insulin into james's body wow that sounds friend, like a lot i talked to my friend um who has diabetes what's up lauren and she explained it to me and i don't have my phone to to do it but she was like that's horrific and having your blood sugar do that feels awful it's the worst feeling in the world so it shoots it up or down so this one would it would shoot it up um a few hours later Later, she watched as James cried out. He said he was sorry and that he yelled, I love you, and he died. The next morning, his support worker found him dead, and a doctor determined that he died from complications due to a fractured right hip. He had had hip surgery, but he was totally fine after it. His dementia didn't seem weird, and sometimes when you go under anesthesia as an older person, it takes a lot longer for you to like come back to 100. It can take mm-hmm. months actually um we we do so the cataract surgeries we do like obviously 90 percent of them are elderly patients and there have been a few patients that haven't died like during surgery but they die like two months later and because they did have a surgery within the 90 days you still have to fill out like a mortality report like thing because and that's they, good they you track should all of that but it's it's that makes me sad his daughter was a little suspicious she was like that seems weird and mm-hmm. she she was like, maybe we should do an autopsy, but the coroner's office talked her out of it. What? But even if she had done it, though, by the time the autopsy was yeah, done. Yeah, the insulin would have been regulated by that point. You yeah, you couldn't it. trace it. <sighs> Four months later, on December 21st, 2007, Elizabeth preyed on an 84-year-old man with pancreatic cancer and dementia. No. 
Maurice Granite was allegedly pretty handsy with the staff, which when people have dementia, that's not an uncommon thing. Mm-mm. Sometimes they get vulgar or they do things that are Doesn't character. make it appropriate, but like that You're part right. of their brain, but it, like the, their brain's their dying. Brain, yeah. And it's, they don't know. Yeah. Like you have men who have been like the most utmost respectable, be like, hey, come touch my dick. Like they don't, and like they're, <laughs> or like, they're cute little old ladies that have never, they don't swear. They've never sworn and they're just dropping F bombs and whatever yeah. they got to do. Yep. Um, some of the people who are friends with Maurice in the nursing home said that they heard him arguing with Elizabeth. And when they came into the room, she just left. She like composed herself and left. Shortly after that, she came in and injected him with his medicine, quote unquote. And he did not want to take the shot. He was like, grumpy about it. Maurice was dead within a few hours of that shot. And it's likely he died so quickly because of his pancreatic cancer. So do they go in, is it like ketoacidosis? Is that what that's called? I honestly Diabetic don't have an answer ketoacidosis. for you. Elizabeth reported the death and it was recorded that he died due to old age and issues stemming his cancer. Right now, everywhere is understaffed, right? Everywhere. I think it's pretty common for long-term care in general, but in general. I mentioned earlier that Elizabeth was in charge of 32 beds and she, her quote was, I always felt like I had to be the best possible person. It was a very, very stressful job giving medication to 32 people. But what happens when there isn't enough staff, the communication starts to fall Break apart. Yeah. yeah. Stuff slips through the cracks. And that's true of any workplace. But in somewhere like a nursing home, that's deadly. In 2008, Elizabeth overdosed two more men, Michael Priddle and Wayne Hedges. Neither Jesus. died. Elizabeth explained her urge to kill as that red surge. And after she had successfully murdered someone, she said she could feel and hear someone laughing in her stomach. It was a laughing feeling she had. And when neither of these men succumbed to her little insulin trick, she turned back to pills again because it didn't give her the release that she was looking for. She went back on the morph, as she called it. She was frequently, as she said, fried at work. And it caused her to have those severe mood swings. She would lash out at other nurses. She would lash out at the patients. But around this time, Elizabeth also started telling people that she was overdosing patients. She went out with a nurse's aide and told her straight up. And the nurse's aide was like, well, I'm going to tell the police. And Elizabeth verbally attacked her. She said no one would ever believe her. So the girl didn't go. She was like, she thought she was like a liar. She thought she had made it up. But the staff at Crescent began to complain about Elizabeth also. She had several formal grievances listed against her. Crescent said that they had sent a 20-page document of grievances to the nursing board. But again, they were understaffed. <laughs> the, they would just normally have two employees just talk it out and then suggest therapy if it wasn't resolved. And a few times they moved her to a different location because it was a very large, um, there were different facilities under the same name. But all that really did was let her off the hook for her, rec- her reckless behavior. She continued to pop pills, snap at employees, and be generally inappropriate. And maybe that surge of complaints compelled her to ignore the red surge, but she did not attempt to kill anyone in 2010. But in 2011, she came back with a vengeance. Three nursing home residents died in her care. Gladys Millard, Helen Matheson, and Mary Zurawinski. No autopsies were conducted. Nothing was reported to the police. In fact, it was Elizabeth's job to alert the authorities if there were any weird deaths that occurred on her watch. Which, of course, she's not going to do that. She's like, I'm not going to do that. She was scared of being found. Yeah, it is. 
Hey, if someone dies weird, you have to be the one to tell. All right, I will. (laughs) Wink, wink. wink. I think she was scared of being found out, and that's why she started telling people. Like, maybe if she did it, then Mm -hmm. it would, like, relieve some stress she felt. But the day after she killed Mary, she left for a Caribbean cruise. Whatever. When she returned, she continued stealing patients' hydromorphone by swapping it out with laxatives. And because a great deal of the patients had cognitive difficulties, they never even realized that their meds had been swapped. Sometimes she would just pop open the capsule, take the powder med, or take the powdered medication, and then give the patient an empty casing. Jesus Christ. I know. If the resident died, she would steal them before anyone checked. Uh, when new drugs arrived, she would steal it from shipment before it was inventoried. And it would be weeks or months before anyone noticed. And those drugs kept Elizabeth pretty subdued from 2011 to 2013. A 90-year-old dementia patient named Helen Young was described as a very difficult patient. Elizabeth was annoyed that she was constantly crying out for help as she was accused. At dinner on July 13th, 2013, the nurse injected Helen with all of the insulin pins she could want. Helen was soon suffering from an insulin-induced seizure and she was dead by morning. And then she consoled the woman's niece. She hugged her and told her it was going to be all right, even though she felt the laughing in her stomach. What a psychopath. Yeah, for as evil as she was, she wasn't without guilt because after Helen, Elizabeth decided that she was going to go to church and she was going to confess. So after a church service, she went to the pastor's home and told him everything. And the pastor and his wife prayed over her and told her that if she ever did it again, they would turn her in. But the pastor later told police that he didn't know if he should believe her. He thought she was lying. That's and not Mar- for you to decide. <laughs> right. And it, and I, I kind of understand it from the nurse aide's perspective because if this nurse has already got like a reputation for being crazy, maybe just avoid her in the future. Don't like, you know, I don't know. Yes, she should have went to bed. This pastor definitely should have. She tried to, <laughs> uh, whatever. In March of 2014, Elizabeth was finally fired for making medication errors that weren't insulin related, but that they had harmed patients. Carisant reported all of her mistakes to the nursing board. No disciplinary action was taken. And within weeks, she had another job at a different nursing home, working on a one-year contract within a month of her new hire date, her eighth victim was dead. Arpad Horvath stroked out in August 2014 after Elizabeth administered a lethal dose of insulin. She quit that job after he died and her mother checked her into an opioid rehab facility where she stayed for a month. 2015 came around and Elizabeth was back in long-term care. At a new location, she injected a woman named Sandra Towler who survived after another nurse found her. The next was Bev Bertram. Bev was a 68-year-old woman. Elizabeth injected insulin directly into Bev's IV. She didn't die. Yeah. And Elizabeth left again. She was working through a temp agency and they decided to give her a new placement that wasn't in long-term care. In 2016, they tried to place her at a school program that treated children with diabetes. She would monitor their insulin pumps to ensure that they were getting the correct amount. No. Elizabeth said that she could not be sure she wouldn't murder a child. She thought it would be too tempting. So she quit nursing completely. Well, I'm glad. (laughs) Like, too little too late, but still. But now she didn't have a job. She had no way to get her pills. She began to suffer from withdrawals. So she gave her dog to a friend and checked herself into rehab. Over the next 20 days in rehab, she confessed all of her murders to anyone that would listen. She told everyone that for the last decade, she'd been murdering the elderly that she was supposed to care for. Her psychiatrist 
told her to write all of her thoughts down and give them to the police if she felt obliged. So she wrote a four-page handwritten confession listing all of her victims, how she had killed them. She didn't have last names for all of them, but it was just like she was filling out a nursing form, you know, just exactly what had happened. She sent her childhood friend Glenn a Facebook message while she was there confessing to murdering people because she was working out her major anger issues. Glenn told her to call the police. He said to be strong, to be brave, and to tell the truth. And the police ended up coming to the treatment center. Elizabeth went with them and gave a report. She also revealed her crimes to the nursing board and surrendered her, li- surrendered her license. She was discharged from the rehab facility on October 5th, 2016, and investigators were still going through records at every nursing home she had worked at because there were so many. They were verifying everything she had told them. She was hit with an order that prevented her from going anywhere near insulin or nursing homes. And whilst the investigation was underway, she was confined to her parents' home with restrictions, like she had a curfew, that kind of stuff, almost like probation. She went to dinner one night with her friends and was laughing and joking, never told them what was going on. Three days later, after going to dinner with her friends, October 24th, she was arrested. Elizabeth Wetlaufer was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder, four counts of attempted murder, and two counts of aggravated assault. Wetlaufer pled guilty to all of the charges and is currently serving life in prison. There was no real trial. She never gave any real explanation of why she behaved this way. She just blamed God or the devil or whatever. That's what she said for her actions. She only said to the victim's families that sorry is too small a word, but she hoped that they could find peace and healing. And the truth is like no one would have found out about her murders had she not confessed Mm -mm. them. It's crazy because this is not uncommon. There was a... It's like the angel of death thing, right? There was another one in West Virginia. She, I think... Rita Mays was her name and she was doing it at a VA hospital to veterans like she was just ODing them on insulin yeah Rita Mays nursing assistant murdered seven people ugh it's awful it did it did cause a massive policy change in long term care in Canada um, and a huge investigation into carescent a bunch of the facilities got shut down for you have that many people die and you never order an autopsy like especially if you did not have a high mortality mortality rate well how prior? high was their mortality rate you know yeah, for them for, to like to not even notice yeah one Man. of them got shut down for 2017 to 2019 because there were so many issues it, like it wasn't just elizabeth i mean it like she sucks but that wasn't the only problem like that was how she got away with it for so long hmm. i don't want to say it's nice to see that like other countries have shitty healthcare stuff like this too but i always <laughs> am on this island that the united states just is the worst of the worst with it. So yeah. I read or I saw something recently that um, it was like in Germany, it takes months to get one doctor's appointment, like four months, five months. They don't accept patients, <sighs> that kind of stuff. I don't think it's just the US. I think that's just the lens we have we see, to view. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like the idea that if you move somewhere else, you'll be happier, but that's mm-hmm. not really how it works. You know, it's sad because like the analogy that you used with like daycares, it's like this with the circle of life you get to a point where you get so old that like essentially it is like it's a big circle and you do need the assistance and when you have dementia and alzheimer's they you your brain you have no idea especially like advanced stage alzheimer's you have no idea what's going on and to like in trust like to trust someone else to take care of your family members to you know so i don't want to say so you don't have to but But like like, maybe you don't have time or maybe you can't give them the 
care yeah, that like, they need. You're trying to help them in the only way that you can. And then people are there that are hurting them. Mm-hmm. I would feel the same way as if I sent my child to daycare and something <laughs> happened. It would be, you know, they're the most important things. Like you trust someone else. And that is the hardest thing about daycare, babysitting, school, you know, Any nursing care. homes. You are trusting someone else, like an outsider that you don't, you know, you don't yeah, really and know. hoping that they do what you pay them to do, you know? Yeah. Or at least like caring. I know you're never going to love my child. You're never going to love my parents as much as I do. But like, can you act like it? <laughs> can yeah, you? Holy crap. Yeah, That's scary. Awful. It is scary. And it's just so scary that like she, oh, it, it just takes this one thing that seems so simple. And like I had heard, I saw the joke about, you know, oh, I'll pump you full of insulin between your toes and they'll never know that I did it. That Did you see that? Yeah, I used to joke about that was my husband all the time. But now it feels a little more important. <laughs> Now it feels poor days. That's yeah, I'm with you. Oof. Yeah. And but honestly, still- it's especially in these long term care homes where you have they're like um they accept like Medicaid and they're like Medicaid, Medicare only. They're not like private. A lot of times the more like where it's private pay, it's a little like it's nicer. The well, care, they like- can afford to like take care like to pay their staff more and their staff yeah, care but more. The- no, it's Man. low income, you know. And it's awful. And a lot this is something else that people don't realize in the United States, at least, if you are Medicare, say like you get to the, you know, like the point where you need to go into a nursing home and you're Medicare, a lot of places you're like sharing rooms, you don't get like your own space. And then a lot of places won't accept it. Like it's like, oh, we have, you know, we're at quota or whatever. You can get nicer things if you drop to Medicaid. But if you drop to Medicaid, you have to sell all of your belongings. You cannot have, you have to get, you can't have money in the bank you can't have essentially like your social security is like all you can make because otherwise you're over this income threshold and then good luck trying to find a place for you know like a long-term care for your family members i had to research elder abuse for this class and one like we all had to find different articles and the amount of articles about elder abuse is crazy but the one that i found was like this woman they literally found her on a mattress covered in her own like bodily fluids and feces and bed bugs and it was the worst case of abuse like these responders had ever seen and it was on this like 87 year old woman who couldn't even who didn't even know where she was it was awful just they get, like, if you, you and know, her daughter you... was taking care of her but she wasn't like sometimes it's not even yeah that it's just ugh. I had to listen to a 911 call from a woman whose grandson was trying to rape her she was 92 it was awful like I didn't this class wasn't my first choice to take but I'm glad I took it because I I am a lot more aware of this now. And I yeah. And I feel like people aren't. People don't realize it. I am just throwing this out there to the universe, but I would feel the same way towards any caregiver at a babysitter, daycare, school. I will physically fight you. I will physically put and I'm not even that much of a fighter, but I will put my hands on you if you if I even suspect that that would be going on. <laughs> We're throwing down. She says she's not much of a fighter, but she is. Don't let her don't let her fool you. She's tough. <laughs> And that being said, there are there are so many amazing people like mm-hmm. working in these fields and like yeah. doing great work. My mom has worked in like the long term care industry for years, and she is she she goes and buy like she's like oh I have residents that this is the kind of lotion that they like, this is the kind of snacks that they like, and I'm like all right, there's not many people like you. Like we it's, just need more Marges out there. <laughs> yeah, that's so 
man, I have like when I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, I think I'm going to be a nurse. That seems fine. And I was doing like my classes and like I did my whatever, like intern, not internship. And it's like you're like a shadowing. Yeah. And I job shadowed in a nursing home. And I knew right then I was like, this is not for me. Like this is. (laughs) No, you're right. Both of my sister's-in-law are nurses and I could not do that job. Like, no, I I have so much respect for nurses. So much. And some of the off the wall shit that a patient who has like legitimate end stage Alzheimer's can say they and to take, they're so helpless. Like they're helpless and they, they're confused enough without you pumping them full of insulin. Without you trying to murder them. Right? Jesus. It's just like now I'm into this rabbit hole because like how much is this happening? Too much. It's how much is it happening where someone is having a bad day, like a bad mental health day as an Alzheimer's patient, and this is what happened. That being said, if you feel like you have like a loved one in a long-term care facility, you can at any point call Call me. You call Call Connie. (laughs) No, you call the ombudsman. It's O-M-B-U-D-S-M-A-N, I think. Um, and they can go into any nursing home, any care facility at any time without warning and do a complete check and find out mm-hmm. what the heck's going on in there. And they can shut them down if they find stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, and there, like there are options. There are resources. In, I know like the state, they call it like just, oh, states coming in, but like the state inspectors at any point that there's a complaint filed, they immediately come in as well. So utilize that if you need if to needed I, we'll put some hope, more research i hope you don't need it like, yeah i, I hope, hope that you really your don't. loved ones are wonderfully taken care of oh yeah my mom i like came to visit her once and um the facility where like she was not like physically was like where she worked it was like a yacht a country club <laughs> it's like a, they had like Honestly, a Hawaiian that's party where i want to go it's i wonder if they have like nursing home like cruise ships where you just like float that's around that's what i want that's what i want but that's if also I why dementia, i'll be like like, where am I? This is nice. <laughs> That's why I think social work is also so important. Like um, social workers who choose long-term care is like their place yeah, to geriatric, land. Geriatric, just Oof. care in general. It's rough. We need it. We got a lot of people getting old, us included. <laughs> You well, two now, listeners. <laughs> well, now we're bummed. <laughs> now I'm bummed. And now I'm panicked because I know if my parents got Alzheimer's right this second, I would not be able to care for them. I'm gonna have to get rid of one of the kids. <laughs> no. Not the oldest one, though. He'll help out. <laughs> Baby's gotta go. You send her to my house. It's fine. You get visitation. That's fine. I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm gonna be walking around the hospital at work tomorrow just looking at people like, what are you doing? You. What are you I doing? I think, though, I just, this was really recent you know like yeah 2015 what kind of charting are they doing like how exactly like i don't know that i would be able to steal that much insulin maybe you would i don't know it's already expensive as hell here right that's the thing like that's a million dollar crime in the united states (laughs) where's this medicine going you just lost our home a million dollars sadly in the united states more people
people are dying from not having their insulin because they can't afford it. Because it's a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. to live, just yes. to live, not to pay for all of the other stuff that you actually need. You know, house, shelter, mm-hmm. food, basic necessities. I have never realized how I never like reflected on how like hashtag blessed I was that we have like military insurance from where my husband had been in the military until I needed because I have an EpiPen for bee stings guys <laughs> until I realized how expensive EpiPens were and I was like holy shit like I have this I didn't pay anything for it but that is and then you see like what you know like what it would have cost and I was like I'm gonna vomit like this is insane yeah it is it's crazy and it's sad the state of healthcare in America is sad mm-hmm. and apparently the state of healthcare in Canada Everywhere. isn't great you know even though we in a we're calling we I always hear people say if I just get sick I'm just gonna move to Canada you know I'm like medicine might not work out cheaper. that well for you there there's a lot of patients um like when I worked in the I call it the civilian world like private practice they would order their glaucoma drops from Canada because they're literally one eighth the cost of what they are here and like glaucoma can make you blind like you can go blind from it and not the exact same but my grandma used to fly down to Tijuana so she could buy medicine in Mexico it's and no it's true like yeah she would show me she'd be like I got this in Mexico it was only six dollars cool I had an older lady I worked with that she got her retin-a like her retinol cream because like you get prescription cream from the doctor but it's not a lot of times it's not covered by insurance so she would like oh we're going on our girls trip to Mexico I gotta get my Retin-A. Dang, I didn't know that. Thanks for that pro tip. Pro tip. I want to go to Mexico. No, dude, I got some for you. I got you. (laughs) Fully stocked up. Not retin Fully stocked. No fine lines here. Boop. That's the Botox. (laughs) That's cheaper too. A lot of people go to Mexico for like tummy tucks and like BBLs and boob jobs, which is like dope because it's so expensive. It is. So expensive. I saw one girl's uh, story about getting her her butt, her BBL. Is that what it's called? Brazilian butt. Yeah. She got it. It was like she flew there. She stayed. She got it done. It was like three thousand dollars total. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah, I quoted a boob job, and it was like eight grand. And I was like, well, shucks, <laughs> not in the budget right now. No boob jobs in the budget for us. I need just like a little bit of lipo. I don't need a BBL. <laughs> I'm good on the butt part. Literally anything we have to do to not work out, just whatever it takes. <laughs> How do I get a begging body? You have to go to the gym. Anything but that. Literally anything else. I'll do. I would do anything. Will you work out? (laughs) No, absolutely not. And now I feel like now that I have my Hashimoto's, I use it as like an even bigger excuse. I'm like, like, well, even if I try to work out, it's not going to do a good job. So. (laughs) Oh, goodness. It's just. (laughs) Hope you guys agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, guys. We kind of. like, wow, they are very unhealthy. We are. We are very unhealthy. (laughs) I actually just found out. So I found out I have like, like I have Hashimoto's, like the baby version where I am gluten-free for six months and seeing if it helps. And if it does, great. If not, they're going to give me medicine that I'm going to forget to take. So I'm trying to do better. I'm, I'm eating gluten-free. So if you have any great gluten-free yes, recipes, send a, send please send us. Because I'm a sweets girl and that's been the hardest thing. I've been struggling so much. But I'm three weeks gluten-free. Three. I've been without gluten. What is it? Like, hi, I'm a recovering gluten addict. It's been three weeks since my last hit. In, uh, in other news, I ate four cupcakes earlier. 
sorry. I did a speech on how to frost a cupcake and then I just kept eating them. I ate a whole sleeve of gluten-free Oreos for dinner tonight. <laughs> the whole and, sleeve. And two large fries. And two large fries. <laughs> and I have no idea why I'm not healthy. <laughs> so weird. So strange. Mm, well. Was that mean? Should I have not said that to you? No. I okay. don't. I know I I'm not healthy. I had a sleeve of Oreos and two no, large I fries. I mean, like, did it hurt your feelings? And I was like, I ate cupcakes. I don't want to like, I don't want to gluten-free shame you. No. My <laughs> okay. husband eats whole pizzas in front of me. <laughs> like... It's like, I'm not gonna, uh, it really is kind of like I was an alcoholic and now I'm not. Cause it's like, oh, sorry, I'm off the gluten. (laughs) I, uh, I got sober, got sober on off gluten. But I told, I, I was at work and like, I went down to the cafeteria and they had salmon and I was like, is this breaded in anything? And they were like, it clearly wasn't, but I just wanted to make sure. And it was, they were like, no. And I called my husband. No, this is the hospital cafeteria. What do you think this is? I called my husband. I was like, I instantly feel better than everyone now. It's like, ooh, you have gluten. I think that's why people do it. Not the celiac disease or the Hashimoto's or Graves or any kind of condition you might have that requires that. I think you just feel you're you're better than everyone. You and do. That's a you good feel, feeling. You feel instantly <laughs> superior that you would never put those wheat, barley, and rye toxins in your body. No, no fermented oats up in here. I don't know. Oats aren't oats aren't gluten, right? <laughs> the best part I don't is know how it works. I look at the back. <laughs> sounds so bad i look at the back of the ingredients and i'm still like i don't know what the hell i'm looking for you'll get it the longer you do it you'll figure it out i just like there's some stuff like i assume and then i am wrong like i had wings that were just like traditional wings they weren't breaded they're just wings but then i googled it after i had three of them and was sick as fuck i was like oh they weren't breaded they weren't breaded but pizza hut wings are not gluten-free oh because they're made in like the same area as i don't know i just said they weren't and i was real sick afterwards so either i had e coli or gluten and i'm, I'm assuming it was the latter because my she husband was i had this russian teacher who always used to say i don't know how to actually say it but he was russian and it was very strange and that's what you just reminded me i'm sorry i'm russian well i hope you guys enjoyed our new come come back for more health tips from connie and meg the two healthiest people the two healthiest people you know who ate two large fries and four cupcakes and a sleeve of Oreos for dinner. Hey, but I had no gluten, so I mean. <laughs> so I'm very cool. I thought, I like, I'm like, I've been losing so much weight, but it's just because I'm not bloated anymore from my, like, reaction. I was, <laughs> I'm happy what, for you. At least you got what's going to happen is I'm going to do all this and I'm going to go in six months like, hey, let's check these antibody levels and they're gonna be like sis they're still the same here's some synthroid and i'm gonna be like fuck bye all right i guess i'm gonna text you every day did you take your medicine look i have a hard enough time remembering to take my anxiety medicine and then sometimes i forget and i get there and i'm like oh i fucked up no (laughs) i gotta go home sometimes i do go home i'm like i am having i need a mental health day guys and i also assume all of you guys are staring at me our realtor were so like the realtor came today we had to or like we went to meet him to give him like the check hey yeah you have news oh yeah i am under contract for a house i don't want to 
talk too much about it yet because I bad juju. have bad juju. But I had to take my realtor art earnest money check today. And he, instead of going on my husband's side who had the check and I was driving, I, he comes and like, if you're a patron, you'll be able to see my hand motions, but he leads in the window and I'm like right here. And so I am, my head's turned like this the whole time. Cause I'm like, he's staring right at me. Like, what do I do? And I was Get sweating. this man out of my window. I was sweating so bad. I had to change my shirt when I got home because I was like, this was a lot of like really close contact. And like, I don't know what you're doing. And like, I feel really uncomfortable. Why are you so close? Take your check and go. Like, why are we still talking? To, like, what? You should have said that. Side. You should have said, could you back up a little bit? You're a little close for my face. <laughs> I want to be nice so we get a good real estate gift. I hear you get a present after you close on a house and that's what I'm holding out for. You do? Is that like a like a baby moon present? Like a house buying? Oh, a housewarming gift. That checks out. I think so, but he's like ex-military, so I'm sure it's going to be an American flag with like bullets for the stars. He's just going to get you an actual bald eagle. <laughs> <laughs> for my two acres of land that Circles I decided your house. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the birds that fly into my window now, like the freaking conjuring. <laughs> just a bald eagle. Oh, that's so <laughs> Thank funny. Thank you so much. Now my daughter is like, a bird. <laughs> you just hear a thump and it's like, oh, a bird. A bird. Yep, that's the sound birds make, honey. <laughs> thump. Thump. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to let you go because I'm going to. So we're delirious. My- we're delirious. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're, We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.